0: Welcome to the First Incision, a CMF podcast. I'm your host, John Greenall. This is a mini-series focusing on healthcare leadership. And today I'm delighted to introduce a talk given at the inaugural conference of our Christians in Healthcare Leadership Network called Serving Not Sinking." This is the first of three talks, and we will follow this with interviews with clinical leaders. We want to share what it looks like to be a Christian leading in the healthcare arena and so that we hope that you will find this a helpful and inspiring series. First up, Dr. Mark Pickering, the CMF Chief Executive and a prison GP, spoke on being a leader who is called to make a difference.
1: We're going to look at um, three principles, four people, and five questions in the next half an hour. Nice and simple. So, three principles. First of all, leadership is influence. Okay, and then ask the question: Who's called you? And then thirdly, what is the difference that you make? Okay, so the title of this session is being a leader who's called to make a difference. And there the are three things that we're going to pull out. So leadership is influence. Now, I didn't make that up. It's a great line. Uh, plenty of you know the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Uh, he's one of the guys who runs the Global Leadership Summit. It's a great line. I've heard him use that many times. But it's really important. And the leadership that you can exercise may not be down to your position, okay? Now, we've got a whole range of leaders here. Some of you are in national leadership positions. Some of you are GPs or consultants. Some of you are running services or departments. And some of you are registrars. Some of you are students still. So the leadership that you are able to exercise may or may not be about the position today. And it's really important to think about that some of you will have got into the roles that you're doing precisely because of that leadership influence that you've exercised in other more junior roles, when people you think, ah, we need to get them a position, okay? You'll see lots of other people who are in positions who are not really exercising leadership, okay? And, you know, that the the exercise of leadership is entirely separate to the roles that we have. Of course, we hope it's going to Um, come together in a different way. Now, you know, sometimes you might look at your contemporary leadership challenges and think, you know, what can the Bible teach me about that? Thank you very much. I think one of the great things that I uh, often reflect on is just how applicable the examples from the Bible are to the leadership dilemmas that we face right now here in this 21st century. You know, the NHS may not quite last three and a half thousand years, but we can still look at the wisdom that goes back to characters in the bible who lived that long ago so that's incredible so we can make a difference whatever god puts us so leadership is influence okay don't feel bound by your position or lack thereof okay you can influence those around you in a way that you never, uh, thought you could then the next question is who has called you okay it's not necessarily what's on your contract of employment it's not necessarily your current CEO or board chairman. Okay. Is God your ultimate line manager? That's a question that I often um, that I often think about as I go through uh, particular challenges. Yes, I have a board chairman. Yes, we have a management team here. Our treasurer is, is sit, sitting here watching carefully that I'm not spending too much money. And seriously how's great but um you know you have to you'd uh, have to work within the structures that we put within but actually as christians we are part of something much bigger okay and the lord is our ultimate running manager he's our ultimate educational supervisor and we keep that in mind as we go through the challenges of the roles that we're in i think that's incredibly important you know you may not feel equipped to do the role that you're doing um, the role you're doing now may not have even existed five or ten years ago, okay? But God knows that, and God will have called you and equipped you to do that. Then, how about making a difference? Put your hand up if you feel you get to make a difference every day at work. Yeah, some of you, okay? A few of you, I think, a few of you are sort of like this, like, well, oh, I'd like to, and I think I good." okay? How many of you make as much difference as you want to each day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so many. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm incredibly um, privileged to be in this world because I, I often get up each day mm-hmm. and I get to change the world today. Okay. It might not be in the ways that I expected to mm-hmm. and it might you know happen quicker or slower than I thought uh, I could do but I think we do have an incredible chance to make a difference now, it may not be the difference you've been employed to do. okay? The difference you make may be to your colleagues. It may not be something in your job description, maybe something that goes way beyond your actual job description. But I think all of us will struggle with that at different times. We often feel that we're not making the difference we want to. It might be that there's toxic team culture, lack of resources, eternal reorganization. Does that ever happen in the NHS? <laughs> And maybe you don't even feel that you're able to, you know, to fulfill the basic objectives of your role. You maybe put in a in a job that you feel is really almost set up to fail because the things around you are not there or the support is not there. But that does not mean you can't make a difference. Okay, because again, if God is our ultimate line manager, he's put us there, he knows what he put us there for. It may not be what the board employed us to do, what the CEO employed us to do, what we've been seconded to do. It may be something that we didn't expect to do. It doesn't matter what our background is, it doesn't matter what our personality type is, or what our family circumstances. There are things that only you can do. Okay? You will have been prepared to do things that you don't know about. And um, you know, that, that question about God as our ultimate manager if we let him do that, then he will guide us into opportunities that we didn't know existed. We'll meet people that we didn't know matters, um, and we'll make a difference that we didn't know was possible. So there's just three little things that uh, we'll come back to as we go through, but that's that's the three principles that I thought like you good to draw out. Let's look at four people briefly within the Bible who have made a difference in different ways. Now they might not have had to battle with an email inbox that's <laughs> only flowing. They may never have to wrestle with the sound of a Microsoft Teams call. Mm-hmm. They may never have to prepare, prepare for a CQC inspection, mm-hmm. but they knew what it was like to meet in difficult circumstances. So let's have the next slide. Uh, and there are things, I think, in these stories that we can take back to work on Monday morning. So we'll look briefly at Moses, me and Timothy. Uh, and Tim and and I know because I've seen some of the other speaker's slides, mm-hmm. that they'll be coming back to some of these stories in different ways. During the day, so we'll skirt over some of those, and there's far more into these stories than we could uncover at the moment. So, Moses, from whistleblower to CEO, now think about his story, okay? He had a privileged position, a privileged upbringing, he had a good education, and yet he didn't fit in. He was the wrong ethnicity, the culture that he was working in. All around him, there was injustice towards the people who looked like him. Towards his family and those of his community. And as a young man, he saw his opportunity when he thought he could make a difference. He thought he could use his position to stand up, fight the injustice around him. It all sounds good to that point, doesn't it? But of course, it went horribly wrong. Um, and he lost everything he had. He ended up starting again in a, in a far off place. I think it might have been Hull, actually. <laughs> I was born, so you can make a joke about it. Um, And he spent years just plodding away in what seemed like a dead end job, feeling that he'd wasted his chances. He's heading up for retirement age. And that's when his big opportunity came. Okay. You know, he must have thought he missed his chance, but of course, God had other ideas. So never feel that you've, you know, wasted your chances, that an opportunity can't come. He should have been thinking about winding down to retirement. Okay, you know it may be that just like the Queen, you will still be going for it in your 90s. <laughs> it may be a difference when you never expected to. Mm-hmm. And you could say that with Moses, God placed him in a series of highly challenging negotiations with a notoriously difficult CEO who was definitely not fully committed to the principles of equality, diversity, and inclusion. <laughs> Now, Moses was not a naturally fluent public speaker. Mm -hmm. He left Egypt years ago under a cloud, and he was not the obvious candidate for influencing Pharaoh to release the Israelites from slavery. Now, of course, you'll know the Exodus story very well. We're reading through it at the moment in CMF Morning Staff Prayers, and I've been struck by a number of the elements that were, I think, highly applicable to the situations that we face today. Now, the project he was doing, his ask, it was simple. It was audacious, and it was seemingly impossible. Release these Israelites from slavery. Okay, That's it. But it wasn't just a case of ending their unjust treatment. It wasn't just changing a policy. It wasn't just uh, doing one thing or you know, making one group of people stop being nasty to another. That meant removing the entire workforce that had built generations of Egypt's infrastructure. That was a total reordering of their society, their economic structure. So that's not an easy thing to do. And then think about Moses, how he built his support team. You know, even before he got started, he had to build up those layers of support. He got his father on law inside, he got his wife on side. Always good to take your spouse with you if you're going to do something really challenging. And he got his brother Aaron, his, his project partner, and then he got the leaders of the Israelites. And then that's before he even confronted Pharaoh. And I noticed this week that it was it was about plague number three or four, the gnats. That's when the magicians changed their, their tune. because the first bits, the snake, the blood, the frogs, they've been able to say, We can do that, we can do that, it's nothing impressive. And by the time of the gnats, they said, We can't do this. There is a power behind this man that, that is greater than us. At that point, you would have hoped that Baal would have said, All right, maybe I'll listen. But he didn't. You know, does that perhaps have resonances with what's happening in Russia and Ukraine today. Sometimes a leader is so invested in the path they've taken that nothing's going to change them. Sometimes uh, the whole structure needs to fall. Sometimes a lot of edifice needs to come down because an organisation is so toxic that you can't just tweak it here and there. So don't be discouraged if you think something, something big has got to happen here to bring this down. Who's been following the story of the Tavistock Clinic? Yeah, and the gender identity service. Now, there's been years of people raising concerns there. You know, children and adolescents have been sent there with gender incongruence. You know, there's been a great, you know, the idea behind it is great, you know, affirmation, you know, helping them to be who they are. And yet, our patients, parents, governors, staff members, safeguarding leads have all been saying something is going very badly wrong here. We are not serving the children like we are meant to be and yet they were ignored, they were belittled, they were sidelined, and the management closed ranks, there was lots of ideologically driven waffle to justify what they were doing, and yet they're still being continued to harm children. And it took the Cass review, okay, Hilary Cass, a paediatrician. Who's a paediatrician? Paediatricians can change the world. (laughs) And that report has really blown the lid on the whole mess, so now the clinic's closing, we're going to get a different model of service, One that's much more integrated with other specialist paediatric services where they're actually used to dealing with complex children, complex families, not just focusing on the gender side of things. And some of those whistleblowers, they're now nationally respected because they stuck it out through all of those times when people weren't listening. So don't ever tell yourself that your trust is too toxic, that it's too difficult to change, that your service can't be improved. It might take years. You might suffer during the process but if god's called you to do that then the impossible can be done okay so there's a little bit of moses how about nehemiah now nehemiah was a bit more of your straight arrow okay he seems to have just risen steadily through the middle management and the civil service of the persian empire until one day he's got direct access to the emperor he's a devout servant of god we don't really know much about him until his big break comes in Nehemiah chapter 1, but there he was apparently just doing his business serving the, um, uh, the emperor probably faithfully in the background not making waves, maybe he was advocating quietly when he could, you know, doing his job with integrity, but then one day he got the news that Jerusalem was in ruins. He must have known that it was quite bad but he didn't know how bad and then when the news came back to him it was absolutely devastating for him so he went, he prayed he fasted, he took his troubles to the Lord, and then he asked the Lord for help when he got a chance to speak to the emperor. And um you know, he shared his own personal distress at that situation, prayed for favor, he spoke up honestly. But did you really have any idea about what the outcome would be? And the emperor said to him, What do you need? And he was ready with the answer. Okay said oh just a fully funded task force to go across to jerusalem and, and build it with all the authority i need to do it and all the resources will that be okay and can i take as long as i need to do it okay how would that translate into modern terms yeah. <laughs> maybe you're part of a, a struggling trust that's been merged into a, a bigger trust okay Maybe uh, there's a major reconstruction project or a major IT project that's needed to transform something in your original part of the trust or your service that's been merged with somewhere else. You know, you've got a new CEO. She's got a lot on her mind. There's lots to lots to think about. There's maybe a little bit of suspicion between teams, maybe even some open hostility, okay? And maybe one day you get the information that the part of the service that you... A passionate about is it. actually in even worse shape than you realized it was you've got the data now to back up your suspicions there's so many competing claims for funding in your trust and for attention but then one day you just happen to be sat next to the, the new CEO at a lunch and she asks how you're getting on since the merger and you say oh it's fine yeah it's okay <laughs> Or do you actually say, do you know what? I'm, I'm really having a tough time here. I've you know, just been learning about what's going on with you know my partner service. You know we've got some data this week really showing it's in poor shape. You know there's an awful lot of doing that needs doing. You know would you be ready with the answer if the person with the power asked you what they could do for you? Sometimes in CMF we ask ourselves the question: if a trust making grant said you could have hundred thousand pounds to do something special with. It, would we know what to do with it you know could we say yeah actually we've got act, you know we've got a couple of projects this is something we'd love to do there's no way we've got to find us to do it here's the difference it will make when we've got the people we've got the vision we just need the resources and then maybe they'll say okay that sounds good you know, do you have your elevator pitch ready for when you get the chance to speak to the person with the influence could you explain it would you have the case for it And then do you pray for those opportunities? Are you looking for them when they come up? You know, you may not know what the opportunity is, but are you just praying, Lord, lead me to these conversations that I might um, be able to have? So there's a bit of Nehemiah. Now let's think about Esther. Esther was in in a situation where toxic leadership was quite literally threatening to destroy her team. Okay? You might not have seen it quite as dramatically as she did, but I'm sure you will be in a similar situation where you can um, you can connect with that. Now, she was thrust into a position of influence quite unexpectedly. She didn't even know that the role of Queen of Persia was going to become vacant. You know, how do you apply to that job? She certainly wasn't planning to do that. She didn't have the right training, the right background, but she did have a good mentor, and that mentor said to her, I think mm-hmm. you should go for this. And she took his advice and then before long she found herself in a position of incredible influence. Now, it wasn't an executive position, was it? It was a relational position. That's what we call soft power today. We've all been hearing over the last week or so some of the incredible stories about Queen Elizabeth and how she's influenced people in different ways. You know, heads of states, leaders of international organisations. You know, what happened in those audiences with her 15 prime ministers down the years you know she didn't sit them down and read them the right time maybe she did occasionally um who knows walking when the bricks were in the handbag okay but you know, basically that was the exercise of soft power her faithfulness her grace her quiet faith and she's made a difference to millions in what she's done now now Esther came into her position at the time of Actual existential threat to the Israelites. You know, one of the things I love about reading the Psalms, you know, there were actual people really trying to kill David. You know, that does put it into into um, perspective when we're thinking about a difficult board meeting that's coming up or you know <laughs> a slightly difficult team dynamic that we have to deal with. You know, Haman the Amalekite was was in town. He was probably the number two in the Persian Empire. He was a real nasty piece of work. Proud, arrogance, power and status were his driving forces. Now I'm sure that someone like that would never get into a position of power within the National Health Service. Or would they? I think it's a great example for us of how leadership can be through personal influence on those above us, or perhaps distant from us in the management structure. We don't need executive power to exercise that influence, but we do need integrity wisdom and we need to be living lives that will gain the respect of the people around us. And are we doing that? But, you know, when I was at uh, working as a prison GP in South Yorkshire, you know, management changed frequently, as they do in many places. And we've got a new manager in on one of our prisons. And boy was she toxic. You know, um love to talk about what a great manager she was. And very soon it was clear that actually the walk and the talk were not connecting together. And she was the, the kind of person would take the glory for things that were going well, throw you under the bus if things were not going well. She wasn't there when you needed support for her. Really, really difficult. And a lot of people said, What can we do about this? This is terrible. So after a while, clinical director, um, I can't remember how the conversation went, but I had the opportunity to say to him, I think there's a real problem here. And it was quite a short conversation. And you know, he listened, nice guy. Um and then he went and said, I'll, I'll go and look into that. Two weeks later, she was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, You know, I'd heard that there were problems, but the fact that you spoke to me and there was a consultant psychiatrist who spoke to me, I think, on the same day. And those were the conversations that made him think, right, this is serious. You know, and that's without executive power. You know, he had the power, he just needed to have a conversation with someone that he respected because said, Yeah, this is really bad. And then who knows what can happen. So, soft power, it's great to uh, do exercise it. And then finally, there, Timothy. Now, stick your hand up if you've ever suffered from that old favourite imposter syndrome. Yeah? Okay. Just a few of us, okay? Have you ever been in a situation where you think, I'm not really qualified to be doing this, okay? The person who came before me was so much more gifted than I was. You know, maybe the person who set up the service that you're running or maybe the senior partner who was there leading it when you were registering in the practice, and now you're a partner and thinking, goodness, you know, what would they have done? And you spend a lot of time maybe thinking, what would they have done? Maybe the people around you are thinking, what would they have done? Why not? Why isn't that? Why are they doing the same way that you know? The, the, the previous person would have done and that could be a real challenge you know? that's something that i've been yeah. facing myself here so now we you know my predecessor here pete saw this he's a, a large that life character he's been an inspiration to many of us over the years i first met him as a first year student so for me the whole question what does it look like to be a christian doctor very often has been learned through that lens of well what would we do? And that's been incredibly helpful. But then coming into an organisation, taking over from someone and thinking, well, okay, how do I leave this organisation? I made a deal with the Lord some years ago. Okay, I said, I was starting to think, mm, maybe, you, you never know, I might possibly get asked to do this job at some point in the future. I said, okay, look, well, if that's what you want, maybe. But please don't let me follow directly on. from you. <laughs> I think that would be a bit too much you listen to one half of what I said, and that that's certainly given me a lot to think about over the years. Really helped me grow and we've had some great conversations. But taking the learning from a mentor and then being you know being willing to do things your own way to think, well, okay, yeah, that was great. Maybe I'll do it slightly differently. That was a different time. You know, this is another situation now. Being able to grow out of that and become your own leader is a real. Uh, a real thing that we all need to learn from, and, and Timothy knew all about that. You know, he was the Apostle Paul's deputy. You know, the great Apostle Paul, the man with the biggest brain in the whole of the ancient Middle East. Okay, who basically, you know, rethought what it means to be a disciple of Jesus for the non-Jewish world. You know, Paul said of Timothy, "I've got nobody like him." I don't he was really his deputy. They wrote letters together to struggling churches. Do you think Timothy ever found it a struggle living in Paul's shadow? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he felt that pressure. Maybe, just maybe, when Paul got put in prison, oh, I'm sure Timothy was you know, sad for him, but maybe he just <laughs> thought, okay, I can get on with the things now. Okay? And maybe when he got those letters, you know, first Timothy, second Timothy, I'm sure you really appreciated the advice. You know, we all see what great advice it was. Was there even just a little bit of, of him that thought, he's writing a little term, he's in prison, I can't get away from him, okay? I don't know, okay? I'm just surmising. But we all know, many of us, the challenge of taking on from a great leader who's come before us, implementing the vision while your mentor looks on from afar. Sometimes you don't know what they're thinking. Sometimes they'll tell you what they're thinking. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's less so, okay? Why is it that, that in, in an Anglican church you have to have a gap before the next speaker comes? You know, they let the last one go out the door before they even start thinking about recruiting the next one. They're not allowed to move into the parish that we used to run. There's a good reason for that, okay, because it is a challenge. So there's just four examples of, of leaders from the Bible. I think they've got so much to teach us in the contemporary things that we have faced. I wonder if any of those connect with you in some of the situations that you're facing. Let me encourage you to keep going back to these stories in the Bible, these people who in many ways are so divorced from the situation they are facing that actually there was so much that we, can, um, that we can take from them. And if we ever feel like giving up, if we ever feel like the task that we've been given is just too much for us, well, again, there's more inspiration in the Bible, even... Jesus fell like that. What did he say in the garden, Gethsemane? Lord, take this cup from them. Okay. He wasn't just asking his secretary to give him, to make him a coffee. Okay. He was saying, you know, this suffering that is coming to me, I really don't want to go through that. You know? And he knew what it was, but he knew how important it was. Ultimately, he knew that it was going to be successful, but he still knew that feeling that I do not want to go through. the next few hours, days, weeks, okay? How many times have you woken up on a Monday morning thinking this is not going to go well today? And any of the Lord
0: knows how we feel. Well, that was a a great start to our series and a great encouragement uh, as Mark has walked us through those examples from the Bible. You can find more about the Christian Healthcare Leadership Network at cmf.ly, that's L I forward slash CHLN in capitals, where you can sign up to become a member and hear more about what we are doing. Do check out the uh, other podcast series on the First Incision podcast and do rate us and give us a review so others can find us. Until next time, bye for now.